Welcome to the Live Courageously podcast show. I'm your host, John Duffy, and this is the 45th Live Courageously podcast show since I started the show about two years ago. Live Courageously has been the conscious theme of my life for the last three years since the beginning of the pandemic in 2020, and it's been an unconscious theme for most of my life. Courage is rightly considered the foremost of the virtues, for upon it all others depend. Courage is also resistance to fear, mastery of fear, not absence of fear. So let's meet today's courageous guest, Dr. Lester Bailey. Dr. Lester Bailey is a proud native of Chicago, Illinois. He has led a remarkable life of service and personal development with a distinguished career as a police officer for the Chicago Police Department spanning three decades. Lester's unwavering commitment to serving and protecting others also led him to become a private government bodyguard for two U.S. presidents and two U.S. senators. As a personal development leader, Lester has dedicated himself to sharing his profound understanding and passion for growth, drawing from his experience in the renowned business classic Think and Grow Rich. He is the visionary founder of Results Team LLC, where he has spearheaded cutting-edge programs that have empowered countless individuals to achieve both financial and personal success. Leveraging the latest strategies for optimal outcomes, Lester remains at the forefront of his field. In addition to his role as a founder, Lester is also a co-founder of the High Five Club and Landed for Success, organizations that foster achievement and personal growth among their members. He serves as a personal development consultant, teacher, and coach, guiding individuals on a transformational journeys towards success, and he has forged influential partnerships with leading brands like Chantel Simone International, Mindology Academy, collaborating to provide transformational experiences in mental health and wellness programs. These programs specialize in prophetic med meditation and mind-shifting techniques, empowering individuals to overcome limitations and unlock their full potential. Driven by a profound mission to help others overcome obstacles and achieve greatness, Lester Bailey is dedicated to guiding individuals on their path to success. Beyond his professional pursuits, he finds solace and joy in his passions for music, particularly jazz, as well as exercise and spending quality time with his cherished family. Uh, notably, Lester also holds the esteemed position of vice president of the 90210 Media Division and the vice president of the Empowered Division of Dirt Merchants Films Universe, where he leads in the realm of personal development. Adding to his impressive credentials, Dr. Lester Bailey recently achieved a significant milestone by receiving his Doctorate of International Business in May 2023 and further uh, enriching his expertise and ability to make a lasting impact on the lives of those he serves. Greetings, Brother Lester Bailey. Thank you for joining me on Live Courageously. Thank you. I appreciate you. I heard you say all those nice things about me. <laughs> Well, they're all true and, and much more. And you've had a very, um, you know, without a doubt, a courageous life, but also a very colorful and many different hats that you've worn and continue to wear. So, you know, I like to always start out my show with um, asking my guests, especially since 99% of them so far have been people I know personally, where did we meet the first time when we actually come in contact with each other? We actually met, you know, a couple years ago, we met in California, Beverly Hills, California, at an event with Dirt Merchant Films. And right after the uh, presenting of a movie, X Tao, you and I had an opportunity to sit there and just get to know each other. And I was very happy about that day. Well, so was I. And it was, uh, you know, I got a chance to get into your background and you know, I, I lived in Chicago for two years. I say it was the two coldest years of my life in uh, 1978 to 80. But, you know, I got a chance <laughs> to hear about it was cold back then. I had a mustache and a goatee like you. And I'd come out in the winter and it would freeze and I was not happy. <laughs> but uh, hearing about your background of 30, you know, 30 plus know. That, decades of service in, in Chicago, I connected with you and, uh, you, you know, you shared some great stories and, um, you know, I, it was it was a cool night meeting you and getting a chance to know you. Well, I I totally enjoyed that time because it was fun. 
even living in the city of Chicago for all of those years and having, you know, having all of my life's experiences basically there, I I I would I love Chicago. I just can't go back to the cold. I agree with you there. I can't live <laughs> in the cold no more. Well, well, you know, you've seen it change so much. And I went back a few years ago because I still have friends there and I went to an event in Chicago and, and I saw how much Chicago changed from the 80s for sure you know, in the better with the uh, Riverwalk and some of the areas that have really, you know, really made Chicago even more enjoyable. But until they get rid of the cold, they got a problem. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So um, let me ask you a question. Yes. What, is, what does live courageously mean to you? Live courageously means to me to be able to live your life unafraid, not, not living in that fear because we all have a sense of fear, but living in that area that the things that you are afraid of, you tackle them. You don't hold yourself back believing that somebody else is going to be your savior. You have to fight that enemy within. And when I look at living courageously, is living past those things that which has stalled you. I won't say stopped because a lot of us, we get stalled. We're not sure whether we should take that next step or not. And when we take that next step, we find out it wasn't as bad as the one we didn't take. <laughs> so living courageously means to, to beat the enemy within. Well, tell us a little bit, the audience, a little bit about your background. You grew up in Chicago, um, I think so. Uh, but tell us, and then when did you make the decision to become a police officer and why? And then share a little bit, you know, because a lot of people don't under, uh, understand the, what it is to be a police officer, especially in an urban area. It's a rather challenging uh, job by, by all means. So tell us, give us a little bit of that background, a little bit of history of, of your life and what that was like. Well, I grew up in the city of Chicago on the south side of Chicago, southeast side, what they call the South Shore area. And the South Shore area encompasses Rainbow Beach. And most people will understand that. For some, for people now, it'll be where uh, President Obama will build his library in that same area. So it's a kid that just grew up and was basically afraid of all the things that came my way. <laughs> I was wow. that kid that was shy. I, I was that kid that didn't know how to communicate with people. I was that kid that got chased home several times. And luckily, I became a patrol boy when I was in grammar school. Some people out there have no idea what a patrol boy is, but I was, you know, they, they call that a kid crossing guard. That's all that basically was. But okay. I got chased home enough times and I I wasn't sure what I wanted to do in life. Uh oh, what happened here, John? I can hear you. It's just slowing down. We got a, a little bit of a connection okay. issue. Okay. Well, as I was growing up, in that neighborhood, you know, and having to go to, you know, high school in the city of Chicago and, you know, running into bullies. I was not used to what a bully was. So I had to learn how to deal with the bully. And the biggest bully in a way was my best friend. Cause when my best friend and I knew that I was getting ready to get into a fight with someone, I, I, I simply backed down from the fight because I didn't want to to fight someone. But my best friend told me he had my back. Mm. He says, no matter what you're going to go through here, I got your back. At that point in time, I started living my life courageously. Wow. I knew no matter where I was, he had my back. And today I still tell him, you know, I had a conversation with him in the month of July and I told him, you still have my back. Because once he told me that, I understood keep going, keep going. So of course I left high school. I ended up going to DePaul University in the city of Chicago, you know, where all my schooling was. And I, I worked at a bank that is no longer in existence, but his parent company is, and they call themselves Citibank. But I knew okay. them before they became Citibank. <laughs> and I started working there as a natural stock boy and I was like, okay, there's more. And so they moved me up to the next level of becoming a driver. And I moved up from there to becoming a teller and then finally getting into management as I was 
building my career. But that little bank that I was working for terminated me in a special way. They said they were moving to New York and I was living in Chicago. So unless I was going to move to New York, I had to let the job go. In between that at a beautiful time, I had taken the test to be a Chicago police officer. I knew I could be a Chicago police officer. I went to class. I did everything that you wanted to see what a police officer would do. And then that day came up, the first day on the streets. I looked, I looked gorgeous. I had my uniform on, was pristine and clean. There was nothing on there. Everything was brand new. I was smiling and I was going around with my partner and my field training officer at this particular time, we had a call that came out and said, there is a man with a gun. All of a sudden, the sheep that was in me grew more hair. I mean, <laughs> I was like, bad. <laughs> I was beginning to be afraid of doing this job that I had. They, they'll say train you for. They give you the book knowledge. They have nothing about what street knowledge would be. Huh. So as we get this call and my partner hears this call, he says, oh, man with a gun, don't worry about it. By the time the dispatcher would actually give you the call, the guys are normally gone. So I began to calm down. I began to relax. And then it happened. The guy was standing out there on Garfield and Halsted in the city of Chicago. He was firing a gun. I wow. see him firing a gun. I'm paying close attention to him. And we pulled down the street just a little way away from the guy who has the gun. My partner looks over at me and he says, go get him, kid. Not say He didn't say, we'll go together. And he said, go get him, kid. Wow. I looked at him. Fear was the first thing that came across my face. <laughs> but I got out the car. You talk about living, you know, in that courage that you're, you're building up. And I began chasing this guy. As I was chasing him, I was running so fast that I almost outran the guy I was after. Even though I was able to catch him and put some handcuffs on him and, you know, put him in jail. But at that time, I was, you know, I had to build what that courage looked like. And over years of that time, that sheep became that wolf. Mm. That wolf, that, that living courageously, you know, and, and, and having that built up, stop looking on the outside, believe who you are on the inside, that started developing more and more. And I told you before, my partner, you know, you know excuse me, my best friend became my backup. And I see this has done this again, that is going out, but I'll, I'll keep talking. Yeah, I can hear, can hear you. Me. So, uh, yeah, definitely keep keep talking. Um, I can hear you. OK, so as I'm going into this next area of my life, I saw so many things that I had to deal with the bullies who were on the street. I had to deal with people that I weren't I wasn't used to. I had to be able to see myself go forward. And I built up such strength because I saw the people who were really going through things on the street. They didn't actually know what would really happen. How can I, you know, how can I do this job? What is in this job that I can do? Now, mind you, at the time, I'm only about 140 pounds. Of course, I left the department, you know, several pounds over that, almost 200 pounds. But I, I was on a job and I gained weight like anybody else. But a lot of it was muscle weight. Thank goodness, because I that's, your, that's your earlier picture, I believe, on the screen. Yes. Right now. <laughs> yes, that was me. That, that was that kid that had to learn how to actually go into a scene with people actually shooting at you. Hmm. The average person, when they hear a gunshot, they take cover they, or they go away. A police officer doesn't have that opportunity. He has to go toward the gunshots. So again, living that thing, you know, beating that fear that I was having, I started learning how to do it. Now being retired, I still don't know how to turn it off because that, that built-in strength is still there. I still see the same thing. I look for how to get rid of that 
threat to someone. That courage in life kept propelling me to keep going forward. And toward the end of my career, and this is a little story, you know, I hope no one really gets scared about this story, but I was changing positions in the department. I had been on the streets for almost 28 years now. And I decided that I want to go in and work the desk. So my ex-partner and I looked at each other and we said, okay, you go to your next end. I'm going to my next chapter. And that was it. So I sang to her a song, you know, by Carol Burnett, always introducing it to me, saying, I'm so glad we had this time together. <laughs> so I sung this song to her. And as I sung this song to her, I was still comfortable. I was still comfortable. I get in my car and on the unusual case, I'm dressed in my uniform. Normally I would change, but I said, I'll just go straight home because I was going to meet a relative, some new okay. relatives that I had never, ever met in my life. And as I'm driving down the street, I get to about 76 in South Chicago. And again, this is all in the city of Chicago. And a guy attempts to carjack me while I'm sitting in my car. Hmm. I'm like, wow. So now in uniform. In uniform. In uniform. Right. <laughs> this is not what you can't see. This is completely in uniform. Wow. And as I was moving along, you know, I said, oh no, he has to go to jail. So as I made, you know, the move toward getting ready to arrest him, I was looking on him and I saw the guy go over to the right of me and he went into the trunk of his car. Now, hmm. at this time, I go to pull my weapon and I hear bang, 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 and shots continuously to shoot at me, to come at me. They were coming from three different angles. It was wow. a total of 28 shots that were shot at me that particular day. Say that again. How many, how many shots? 28 shots. Wow. That was what they actually recovered from the scene. And 28 shots. If there were more, I don't know, but I know it wasn't any less. Wow. Now I got to get out of this scene because right now I'm in a police officer way of thinking. I'm not in a normal everyday person on the street because I've right. been in those situations where there's been shooting. But, the you know, having that courage, I'm looking out at traffic and I'm trying to see how I can get out of this scene and not run into someone else's car. Wow. My brain is going on that car and making sure I got out. So as I was sliding down the street, I can see out my windshield, there were five shots, headshots, and there was a shot directly over my heart. Wow. And as I'm driving down the street, you can hear the whistling of the wind coming through. And you're like, wow. am I living or am I dead? Now, the funny thing to me, and <laughs> this is a, a real good part of the story, there is a hospital that's that I'm driving directly to, which is a half a block away. I never saw that hospital. I never saw that hospital sitting there. I drove around the corner to another spot so I can get out of my car because I didn't want these people to follow me home. And sure. now I'm prepared. I made you know phone call for some other policemen to give me some assistance. But now I'm prepared because now I go to a spot in which is my choosing, not the choosing of someone else. So that's a kind of a weird story of living courageously, but I lived courageously, even though for a moment there, I thought I thought I was already up in heaven. <laughs> I wow. just had to ask God, was he still with me at that time? And he said, boy, go on home. <laughs> so <laughs> that that's how that story really went for me. It was different. It was a different life for me at that moment. So I, I learned to live through that. I was actually able to help out the psychiatrist who needed to talk to me because he couldn't understand why that scene didn't bother me, why that wow. happened, all of that. He was a little nervous. And then, of course, I got a chance to retire. As you can see, I'm here. Yeah. Well, you, you, you told me that story <laughs> in like person. That. You told me that story in person and I remember that story and I was, you know, and I have to say, and I have to, um, uh, you know, when I, when I, when I was young and I was in Chicago, my only experience with the police, I had two uh, experiences and both of them were negative, I have to say. And uh, one of them was partially my fault, uh, you know, looking back at, you know, running my mouth at, at an age I shouldn't have run my mouth, but it, you know, it wasn't a, 
didn't turn out to be that bad an experience for me, but it was not a positive one. So that was my experience with the <laughs> Chicago, Chicago PD. Um, but, you know, hearing your story, I, I think it was, you know, once again, that you got through that and did not expect it. And, and one of the parts, too, I think you, you, you have, and I don't know if you want to speak on it, but you obviously have faith. And you like you said, you talked to God and said, you know, am I here? But your fate, too, was something that sustained you in, in um, that experience and in life. Um, I don't know if yes. you want to um, bring that out at this point. Well, have, but it, it, it is. It's, it's always been a part of me. You know, I've been going to different, you know, churches of religion where I started out Episcopalian and went to Catholic and then, you know, Lutheran and then in the Baptist and then in the, you know, another, but it's all the same because God is God, no matter how somebody wants to package him. You know, we, we all know that we, we love this, to put God in a box and God's like, who do you think made this box? <laughs> you can't put me in this area. So me having that faith, always always stayed with me because living that life on the streets as a police officer changes the person that you are and if you don't have that inner spirit you know that that really spiritual life and belief you will die to it you will die to the things that you have seen because i have seen so many different types of crimes and i learned never to say what's next mm. i have i've seen everything i don't say Say those things because every time I saw, I said I saw everything, something new happened on the streets. And you have to be able to talk to people, to console people when they're in the hardest times of their life. How do you walk to someone and you are in a part that horrible, that horrible time of their life? You've never lived it, but now you have to live through them because they now see something that you never saw. Now you are part of their life for the rest of their lives. You're not in their lives for a moment. You're there forever and forevermore. And that being, you know, having the faith to go through, say, this job is what God gave me, and I'm going to do this job the best I can. I believe in that. Well, I think a lot of people, and you probably know this, a lot of we'll call them civilians like myself, people who have not been, you know, in the police department or in, in law enforcement, don't really understand what that experience is and what you go through unless you get a chance to really talk to people like yourself. I mean, recently I spoke at a veterans, military veterans program, and I met two sheriffs and they work with homeless veterans on the streets of L.A. And they shared some of their stories with me. And, you know, I, it, they took me behind the scenes as to what day in and day out in, in that world is. And, you know, I didn't expect it from them, but they, they had this one veteran who was mentally, you know, uh, ill. And he called 911 almost 500 times. I mean, he was like a total nuisance to them. And they didn't give up on the guy. And they told me they just had lunch with him. And they changed his life. And that to them was their greatest accomplishment was that they took this guy and they gave him hope and they finally changed his life. And you're going, here's these tough sheriffs out in the street dealing with the worst of the worst. And yet they got the compassion and the love to be able to go and try to help change someone's life. And, you know, that's I think people don't get a chance to meet people like you, to meet people like them and hear that story. You know that, you know, you're in a very difficult position and you're doing the best you can in that reality. Mm -hmm. And one of the greatest things about living in that reality, you, you learn that just because they committed a crime does not mean that they're a criminal. A lot of things that actually happens on the streets is because of necessity more than what somebody else will believe that that could be. You know, your strength within yourself has a compassion because it's family. We all know that family, you know, one of the things, somebody in your family has gone through some difficult times. And how are you going to look at them differently than you look at somebody else's family member who may have mm. had difficult times? Wow. And I, I really believe that we're all the same. It's just that what we will do depends on the life that we're living at that moment. 
Yeah, we just broke a little bit. I saw some a woman who was being, you know, really physically taken. We broke. Let's see. Yeah, keep going. I I think we can hear me. Yeah, keep going. I hear you. We're just having a little bit of a connection problem, but keep going. Well, anyway, she was having a really difficult time due to rape. And as a male going on that scene, how does that how how do you talk to a woman Mm. that you have never met, you have never seen, you have never talked to and console her? That's a situation that you don't know about or somebody whose child is now you know deceased how do you have that conversation being a, a man of faith being a man you know that man that has to stand out there you're expected as a police officer to be everything to everybody sometimes all at once and then mm. you hear a story about a police officer that does something that wasn't right and everybody forgets about all the good that you've done Right. It doesn't matter how much you've done and you have to go back out into the street and talk to somebody and tell them, say, listen, I'm still out here in spite of everything that's going on in my personal life. I'm still coming out to talk to you. I'm still being able to be that person that can smile at you, put a, you know, put a little happiness in you, buy you some food, buy you some clothes, you know, catch the bad guy, give up all Mm. of that time. Police officers have a strength, and I don't mean you know local police, I mean police all over, no matter what their initials are. And I've been lucky enough to work <laughs> in different areas, and we're all the same. We we want the bad guy. Everybody, right. everything else is is it is what it is. Right. And we're speaking of that because so, you re- oh, oh I got plenty, man. After you retired from the uh, Chicago Police Department. You went on to be a, a a new another version of yourself as a private bodyguard for two presidents and two senators. Uh, that too much have been an amazing journey, and maybe share a little bit uh, with that what that was like and how did you get there? How did you end up being a bodyguard with two presidents and two senators? I'm amazed. <laughs> Actually, that's why while I was working. I have worked in so many different units in the city of mm. Chicago. I wasn't just a patrolman, but I worked in different units and worked with, you know, kids in schools and all of that. Someone saw my work and they said, would you mind? Would you mind doing this? And like anything else, just because I don't know how to do it doesn't mean I can't. So I figured I'd go ahead and live you know, courageously again. I would say, yes, I would do this. And the first person, you know, became a, excuse me, became a United States senator from Chicago and being the first black female. And because of, you know, once you get in those political circles, you're in those political circles for life. Mm. You don't lose any of that. So, you know, the first president, you know, happened to be from Arkansas. Can't say his name because who I am, but we'll say he was from Arkansas and the other president was from Chicago. I was actually able to meet these people because of being in those circles. And there was a young man, some people might know, who really saw me. He goes by Jesse Jackson, Reverend Jesse Jackson Sr., who who introduced me to a large world in which I became a part of. So I had that opportunity to go and work with these people and to see the world through political eyes. Because again, you're not seeing the world through your own. You're seeing the world through political lies, and you understand what goes on behind the scenes. And you're you're having to be there because even though everybody knows everybody with the initials, as they call them, but you still have to have people who are like me, who don't go by the initials, but we go by the rules. <laughs> and I was actually able to be with them and doing this. And that second senator, you know, his family was real large because his brother became a senator um, three years after I was born. And, you know, the the Kennedy, oops, can't say that. <laughs> Those people <laughs> actually were able to work with them. It was just a fun time. <laughs> well, it, sound, it sounds like, you know, so that's, that's the short end of that story. Well, it sounds like, once again, you had a very um, uh, 
colorful life, but you you did so much of of a service. I mean, that's the, that's one common theme in your life is obviously clearly one of service. But then somewhere in your life too, uh, Lester, you and I don't know when that was because we didn't get a chance to go that deep that day when we hung out. But you got into personal development and uh, books and motivation and think and grow rich, yes. and you know that part became another part of expanding who you were. And I kind of went through a similar journey myself with all those motivational books, uh, Earl Nightingale, Tony Robbins, all that stuff. So I kind of identify with yes. that. How did yours start? Why did it start? And why did you become so, you know, into personal development, transformation, motivation, all that good stuff? The, 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 the long, short end of that, I went to a, an event in the city of Chicago in Rosemont, uh, Rosemont uh, in Schaumburg or right around that area. Anyway, and it featured Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn, uh, Les Brown, Brian Tracy, and, you know, so many others, about six of them. They were all speaking on stage. And I fell in love with their thought because I wanted to be that millionaire. I, I listened to them heavily with all the attention that I had. I took so many notes, John, that the world would have no idea that I could have started my own book at that time because I wanted to be a millionaire. And huh. what happened after that, after it was all over, and I found out that I did not become a millionaire at the age of 23. I was like, oh my <laughs> goodness, I still have to work. <laughs> so I, I started going back and I started listening to all of these people over and over again. You know, back when I got started, of course, you would put your cassette in the um, in the car, you know, you became that library on wheels. And I started listening to these people over and over and over again, building my personal mindset, trying to see what was the, the thoughts of millionaires and billionaires and how they got there and what were the what were the disciplines that they had what were the things that they say stay away from how to grow and i was in network marketing and i rose to several network marketing you know companies that i was with you know to a highest higher positions but i had to keep that mindset so now after i as i'm retiring i meet two mentors and i won't mind calling them out and they love me anyway <laughs> and one is, you know, now he's Baron Dr. James Dentley and Dr. Gordon So. And we were having a meeting so that I would learn how to become a speaker. And I said, OK, I want to be a speaker. I was always wanted to be a speaker. I knew that if all of those other guys I saw on stage and they were making thousands of dollars for an hour and a half speaking events, I knew if I got the right mindset, I got the right words, I got that all together, I would do that thing. And I found out that you have to practice it. You have to practice it over and over again. So Dr. Gordon so asked me a strange question. He says, how would you like to write a book? And I looked at him and I was like, I've always wanted to do that since I was in high school. Now, of course, I've been out of high school at least 30 years <laughs> before I write this book. I'm out of high school and I'm like, okay, am I able to do this? What is the story that I'm going to tell? And the first book that I'm in is called Empowering Women to Succeed. I'm the only, out of a co-authored book on this one, I happen to be the only male writer in the book. Huh. And then people ask me, well, why would you want to write there? I said, well, I have a mother, I have sisters, I have aunties, I have female partners, I have a lot of influence of what women have taught me, so why not write it? Huh. I came from a mother, so I looked at that and I said, I can write in this book. And once I got that, I said, it has to be empowerment. It has to be that personal mindset because our minds are still the same. Our minds don't know anything else other than what are the thoughts that we're putting in that. So I began studying what that was and I began speaking to people, you know, in Canada and in the U.S. and also now in Africa, I was able to really get out there and begin that speaking to use that powerful mindset that we all have and keep it going because reading all the greats and, you know, even though I love Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, but I love the spin that Earl Nightingale from The Strangest Secrets. 
I love hearing his voice. I can mm. listen to his voice and the way that he speaks. And it's just so, <laughs> I don't know. It's just that power that he has in there. And again, he talks about what we're featured here, you know, living courageously, living that beyond our own thoughts and seeing what that would be. And then I learned, of course, that the book Think and Grow Rich is responsible for over 95% of the million and billionaires. They had to mm. read that book over and over again. And every time that I've read that book, I kept finding something new. So on Facebook, I had read the book on Facebook out loud to an audience of people on Facebook. I read that book 28 times. Wow. Beginning to the end. And I, any of you all that ever actually want to know the book of Think and Grow Rich, and this is, has nothing to do with Napoleon Hill Foundation or any of that, I want you all to start that book in the back of the book first. The huh. final chapter, read that first and then read the rest of the book. And there's a reason that I tell you that, and I could tell you now, but there's a purpose because you have to understand why is it that when you want to set a goal that you fail? Why is it that you want to, that very thing to happen in your life? Why do you fail at that? And I believe that everybody has to fail. Failing is so important to life because if you don't fail, you don't get it right. You just don't get it right. And I know that makes so much, it sounds so crazy because I want to get that thing right. But if you want to fail all the way through, just start at the beginning and find out how many times you fail through the process. If you want to limit the amount of times that you will fall, you will start finding out from somebody that's giving you the advice of what that personal development is. Why did that mindset come up? Napoleon Hill had to actually interview hundreds of people because Andrew Carnegie says, listen, find out what they did right, what they did wrong, and then give the ideas behind their success. And I found out success. That success of what you want, it does, it's not about money because everybody likes to read the book. It says he's only talking about money. You missed the story. You have missed it because I have a little story that I tell every now and again about the uh, 50 cents lesson of persistence. And I love that story because the thing that you do consistently, the disciplines that you, you do consistently makes the person that you're going to be. Because I'm not going to get through all of these things that I have done in my life without, you know, that discipline and the consistency behind it. And then learning what is it that I have missed in a step? Because that, you know, that wrong going up, you know, still comes down. So you, you want to be on a, <laughs> the acceleration of that instead of being on the decline and start learning how to believe in yourself. So that's what got me to that next step of life, being able to say, I can do something that somebody else may not believe in, but I believe in it. And I'm going to teach you how I've done it, how I keep rising to the top. Or as Zig Ziglar would say, see you over the top. Well, you know, all that message, uh, Lester, is, you know, you, you, you see our times now and you see young people now. And it's that's a message that now more than ever people need, young people need. And of, of course, you don't get it in schools. You don't get it in the educational system. They don't give them these messages of how to overcome failure, how to be successful, how to have the right attitude and mindset, how to learn from mentors to help you uh, improve your life, no matter where you start from, because it ain't where you start, it's where you finish. And we know that, right? Mm -hmm. So but th so that's kind of what you're doing. And that's your uh, passion, uh, one of many that you have is that you're, that you're sharing this message with the world, which is great because I think people realize that, you know, you would not expect it to come from a Chicago police department officer, quite frankly. Right. That's not how you, yeah. think, right. Um, you know, we have these like stereotypes and you're like, well, that's not, obviously that stereotype don't work. So you can become whoever you want to be and you can be, you know, and that's your message to people. Um, Beyond that, you know, you also now are doing new stuff. And we, we obviously talked about, we connected, um, and you're uh, vice president of media at uh, Dirt Merchants. Yeah. I'll put the picture of you up here, Dirt Merchants Universe, Dirt Merchants Film, Dirt Merchants Tribe. Uh, we connected on that. So that's one more journey that you're on. So tell the audience a little bit about that journey and um, what, you know, I'm going to put up uh, the website for them as well. Um, 
if I can. Um, but go ahead, tell us about that journey uh, and, and let me know well, what you can. Dirt Merchant Films, and I, I want you, you all to really see, Dirt Merchant Films is a, it's, it's, it's right now, we'll call it a small company. We only have, we're only going to be small probably another 30 days. <laughs> and then we're, we're going to do some more dynamic things with this particular company. But I want everybody to really see, I used to, and this is kind of off, John, but I'm going to still bring it right around. I used to walk every day, still do walk every day. In uh, 2000, December 2017, I was diagnosed and having a diabetes. I had an A1C of 17, which was off the charts. And they thought that, you know, I wasn't going to come back from um, Wow. I, I'm just interrupting for a second, Lester. Uh, we just had an earthquake here. Huh. I just you in had, California? Yeah. Because yeah, we're having a hurricane. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting here in my apartment. And the whole apartment's shaking. And I'm like, huh. We just had an earthquake. Anyway, well, that's <laughs> a good little bit of a note. But go back to your story about diabetes and let's keep going. <laughs> okay, let me know if you, you got to run away. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm good. And, and I'm good at the moment. It seems like, you know, California has, has had a lot of them. And, you know, we're, we're kind of used to it by now. But it was interesting to get it in the middle of the show. I think it was a little <laughs> bit of like, a, uh, you know, something, uh, what do you call it? Exclamation point for what you're about to tell us. So go ahead, man. Keep going with your story about diabetes. I, I love it how you live courageously. So... <laughs> <laughs> I, I had an opportunity to, to get diabetes. I, I'll say this. I, would, I used to take care of my health so good when I first got on the department. But like most of us, we get, old, we get older, we get lazier. And I had to change that. I mean, I used to be in the gym. I was bench pressing over 325 pounds and four or five reps at that each time that I would do a rep. My muscles were tight, everything. I was eating well. And I got older and I stopped. I stopped for about four years and this caught up with me. Now, I started walking as in January 2018 and my journey began with walking 377 steps. And then I actually built that up until I was able to do 10 miles a day. And I'm still doing that today from 2018 to just this morning. <laughs> so I do this on a regular basis and most people have no idea how do I still do that? I told you it's consistency. It's the discipline of being able to get up day after day after day. I start my day out at four o'clock, 4.30 in the morning and I'm out there exercising. I exercise all the way through, but the, the walk and the exercise because I didn't want the medicines to be the thing that would live my life. So I was working at this and I met someone by the name of Ashkan Dabibia. <laughs> and Ashkan asked me, do I want to be a part of Dirt Merchant Films, even though I had a different name at the time, but he asked me that I want to be there. And he met one of my business partners, Chantel Simone. And they said, okay, I want you to show up. And I love learning the back door of what goes on behind the movies because we always see what goes on in front of it, right? Everybody wants to be that actor and they want to be that actress. And they, they're like, I'm going to be the next big star. And I was like, wait a minute. Henny has this idea of being transformational, motivational, you know, inspirational. I said, well, that's personal mindset. How can we add that into it? So he was making the types of movies that talked about uh, mindsets. It talked about how you can overcome some of the worst times of your life. And you think that just because you lived your life one way, you couldn't get the best to come out of you. So I started working with them and I, I actually moved up the ladder in taking time because of consistency and discipline. And I'll say that a thousand times for you all in the back that may have not heard me. I said that I have to learn this process. And I saw these moves. I understood what they were saying in the background. So working with Henning and working with Ashkan and Mike Shell, and now, of course, you being that line director. And I was like, I'm going to meet amazing people who have the same mindset, who really want people to live courageously through whatever their situations are in life. So when I was walking to get rid of diabetes, and I'm diabetic free right now, 
And I'll never say that I won't keep that in process because then that means tomorrow I don't have to get up and walk, right? <laughs> no, it means I'm not gonna start all over from the beginning and do it all over again. But what that meant is I knew I had to take care of myself. I knew I had to build myself spiritually, physically, and mentally, and have to keep up that work. So now I've gotten an opportunity to work with a whole company of people who want to bring consciousness of the mind out. We want to be able to help people through film. We want to be able to help people through music. We want to be able to help people through their situations, through the interviews we'll give. And then the classes that we're going to teach on through Dirk Merchants Films. So seeing that, in case you all don't know, it's DirkMerchantsFilms.com, just in case you want to go and see. But I want to see how we build that personal health, that personal health, that, that mindset health into living the life differently. Because today we have this thing called artificial intelligence and everybody's so afraid of losing their jobs, but not using their creativity, not using their minds to become the best persons that they can be. We want to have a platform so that everybody has a place to come to so they can still explore their new talents because AI can, can do everything but be emotional. They cannot do emotions right now, but can they do your job faster? Can they do your job easier? Can they do your job with assistance? You have to understand it's out there. So now what are you going to do for yourself? How are you going to learn how to be a producer like you, John? How are you going to learn how to be an author like you, you know, the books that are behind you? How are you going to learn how to be the very best person that you can be? And whatever that that is, it doesn't matter what it is. I want you to always see it's inside of you. You just have to have the courage to live who you want. Well, I just want to echo, you know, what you said and, and the message that's so powerful because, you know, we live in a time where the answer to all uh, health issues appears to be because there's a lot of money behind it is pharmaceuticals. And that's the worst answer because like with yourself with diabetes, you took the positive answer and said, I don't want to live with this physical condition. And there is a, a, there's a solution to it. And the solution is discipline and action and going out there and, and, I mean, doing the exercise so that my body heals itself, gets stronger, overcomes this uh, weakness that's been created by things that I've done in the past, right? And so that's the message to people. I, I work out seven days a week. Uh, ever since COVID, I said, you know, when everybody else went inside, I said, time to work out even harder. Let's do the opposite of what people are doing. Because if you want health and health's going to allow you to do all the other things you can do in life, then you got to put in the discipline and the work to get that. And then there's a price. You get you get the results. It's good for your life. And I know, you know, you're, you're, you're somebody who I'm going to throw up a picture of. Um, but, you know, results. There's your hat. There's your shirt. You know, you're, you're about results, uh, Lester. And, yes. you know, that's what I think we need to do. And that's what, you know, what you're saying with Dirt Merchants, too. So in a physical, uh, we got to take control of our fitness. We got to take control of our mind. We got to take control of our creativity, take control of our actions. When things come up, they get in our way. Find a way around them. We're in charge of our lives. It's our lives, right? So that's your message. Yes. And that's, you know, that's kind of, you found a tribe of great people with Ashcan and, and Hennen. I have, uh, you know, I met him when he did his first movie and that's uh, his book, uh, The Dirt Merchants uh, behind me, you know, I'm holding. So, you know, um, you're, you're helping them, you know, you're, I get to see you every week practically on Zoom when we have our weekly Zooms and you're yes. helping them with the social media promotion and all the growth of, uh, Dirt Merchant Films. So tell us a little bit um, as we kind of come, well, we got a little bit, we got about 10 minutes. Tell us a little bit about what Dirt Merchants is doing. Then I'm going to pivot back to maybe a couple other things, but tell us a little bit about what the future is in charge and how people can get involved. Obviously go to the website, dirtmerchants.com, join, uh, check out the, all the uh, films, the dozen films that are on there, the music videos that are on there, all the great content that's on there. Go check it all out. And, and, you know, um, Dr. Lester Bailey is going to even promote it even more. So check it out, check it out, check it out. But tell, tell us what else uh, you would like to add, uh, Lester, to that. Well, shoot, you said it all. One of the things, <laughs> when you're looking at learning through film, how many people can actually, just let me raise your hand up for a moment and actually say you saw a film that changed your life. Mm. Didn't matter what the film was. There's a film that each one of us really hold on to. You know, there are some people that like Casablanca. 
and then somebody who liked the matrix you have someone who you know identifies with back to the future or you have someone that just found that uh west side story what is that movie and what did you learn from it how many times have you seen a movie more than once and you see something you didn't see before or you pick up something that you didn't pick up before or you were telling yourself i am oh this this got this. I, I'm going to have my children or my family member see somebody make it that hero, you know, be it if it's the, the football player who, who, you know, everybody said, you're too short to play this game. And all of a sudden he just comes in at the last minute and throughout everybody else, because everybody else has fallen. And it's like, oh, we just need that one guy to push us through. We all have that in the films show who that was. If you had an opportunity to Look at the film of Michael Jordan being kicked off a football, I mean, basketball team. And then Michael sitting there going through it every day. I got to get better. I got to get better. I got to get better. And he didn't take a day off from getting better because he had that mindset. You know, what you look in that movie says, I can do this. I, I, I have to be the best. Could you imagine having to be the best and stay the best? Hmm. Michael has been out the game, but he's still known as Michael Jordan. You have to be like Mike. You have to be that person that does this. And the movie that's in your mind that plays all the time, that tells you that you just can't sit there on the couch and watch somebody's head just spin around. And you're looking at, I can do a movie like that. I can, I can shoot a movie like that. Or I, I want to be able to direct that person. Or I want somebody to see what I see. That Your creative mind is always looking forward to how it can tell your story because sometimes we forget all of these things are, are telling your story in the way that you want the world to see so we on dirt merchants films are bringing that out we're not just going to tell our story because we have 12 beautiful films that are up there that talks about rebelistic or chariots jam or what's that um oh goodness gracious i, I know all of them i'm getting the name uh I'm forgetting the it. hero one. There's the hero one. Yeah, about... and there's and hero and there's and hero. Tao. Yeah, and hero. I I know all the whole twelve. I know you do. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen them a thousand times. But I, I want you all to when you're looking at a movie, especially on Dirt Merchants Films, and we're going to we have five more movies that are coming out, and one that we're really not talking about, but we got one that's going to come out of a different country, that's you know on the side, and it's going to be spoken with Portuguese. And in English, right. I'll say it that, that way. We have a film that we put out called Vino Royale, which is out of Italy. We're, we have green initiatives because the people are always wanting to know how they can take care of this universe as we're still talking about green gases and all of that. We're having those type of films coming out on our platforms. We, I mean, could you imagine we have over 100 music videos that you can just put on play and just listen to this? And it's a $99 prescription. I'm sorry for, for all of your subscription, not prescription, subscription. I want you all to really be a part of a movement because if you can learn through movies, if you can learn through music, and I know all of us have songs that all we have to do is hear one word of the song and you can remember it like an, like an instant because it brings that joy in your heart. You know, whenever that you hear that particular song, whether it was by... Barbara Streisand or by, you know, somebody by the weekend, you know, knowing that song that's actually out there. And we have a guy on our crew by the name of Andrew Lane, which is an Emmy award winning, you know, Grammy award winning, you know, person in music. So you want to see what are everybody bringing to the plate? Josh Berglund is interviewing people and Josh is actually letting you get a behind the scenes because we like to know what, did that happen? How did Robert Zemeckis make a movie like Back to the Future? What was in his mind? Or was Sophia Stewart, you know, writing the book, The Matrix, and seeing how did her brains, you know, how did her mind see something of that of future nature? I, I love film because film changes your mind. Music changes your mind. Learning about the people who have done it helps your mind just grow having this personal development that we're going to have all of our whole platform because we're going to give you the greats. Oh yeah. Jim Rome has everything. He says, work harder on yourself than you do at work. I love that. 
That line meant so much to me, uh, the importance of working on yourself. And then Les Brown telling you, I'm possible. Tell yourself, I'm possible. That means nothing is impossible for you. You just have to learn to work your gift. You already are a gift. Now you're just bringing it out to the world. And I like seeing what that actually means. Going back to me exercising, that walk of that 377 steps, my first 377 steps was the most difficult to me in the world. I was tired. And that's only a street walk. That wasn't around the block. <laughs> that was <laughs> the street. So when Tony Robbins says, I, it's the first time I get a chance to go out and I can only make it to the, the traffic light. Could you imagine if you're watching somebody who is beginning their journey? The end, you know, Michael didn't stop working. You know, Kobe Bryant still putting things out, even though he is not here, but his wisdom that actually showed you you know, I, I love um, oh, Tom Brady. Tom Brady just quit the game of football, kind of, sort of. He's just not playing it actively, but his brain is already a part of the area. So what is he going to do next? He's going to grow. The growth of what we're doing here in Dirt Merchants Films is that we're, we have seven different universes and we're bringing more out because as we keep talking, we're still finding more things we can do. More things well, definitely, in world. Definitely <laughs> I, check it out at dirtmerchantfilms.com. And then, you know, the other thing uh, you're saying, uh, Lester, I mean, yesterday I was in the gym and there's an uh, old gentleman who is in there every other day. He's 99 years old, about to turn 100. And he's in there in the gym working out on the machines. And you just, I'm looking at him and going, okay, I just got my daily inspiration for the day because, you know, you, you, you realize it's that consistency that this man has consistently came into this gym and he's 99 years old and he can have all kinds of reasons not to show up, but he's there. He's there. You know what I mean? Listen. And it, it just that's the message that, you know, we can and we sh we we share that message, not by talking about it, but by doing it. Living. He didn't say a word no. to me. He didn't talk to me. But his his being there said everything to me, right? I was like, wow, okay, I got I, it. I got to do it. Yes. yes. Message, <laughs> message, message received instantly. You know? <laughs> you know, I'll tell you one quick story. I remember when I thought I was going to stop and there was a young lady that on the internet sensation and her name is Hurricane Helen. She started mm. learning how to start running races at 103. Wow. I said, excuse me? <laughs> so wow. I can't stop now. <laughs> you got the truth, man. Well, that's the thing. You know, there's so many people out there to be modeled, to mentor, to be inspired by. And that's what that's who we have to look to so that we keep growing. You know, I have a, a buddy of mine. He has this thing called grow through it, not go through it, grow through it. So when you have a challenge, grow through it. It's a chance to grow. It's not something that should uh, hold you back. You know, you're being challenged to grow. And, and, and do it. Go grow. Yes. So I, I love that message. Uh, uh, Tony Rodriguez is a guy who has that message. But tell me, as we finish up, any messages you would like to leave us with, leave the audience with? Um, obviously, you covered a lot, you know, from your journey from uh, Chicago to all the stuff you're doing now. What what would you like to leave us with, uh, uh, Dr. Like Lester? I'd leave everybody with, with one message. Do it. Just do it. Uh, there's a friend of mine that lives in Canada. His name is Robert Hollis. And he says, documentation beats conversation. Mm -hmm. Document your life. Your life is important, not just to you. Get you a good coach. Get you a good mentor. Because none of us become successful without someone's help. And that's my message for today. Well, I just say once again, listen to that. Just do it. Um, I think... Uh, if we look at your life, you have just definitely did it. And I think that's that's the, the model for us. So I look forward, um, brother, to work with you and Dirt Merchants and work on these projects together as we go down the road and uh, continue to share your message and share our message of living courageously with the world. So thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you for being on the show. And thank, thank you, you for you know, for giving me an earthquake so I can kind of like, you know, have to <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, brother. Have a great one. Have Thank you so safe. much. Okay. Right. Bye bye, sir. Bye.
All right. Well, I hope the message of uh, Lester Bailey inspired you and his story of inspiration and transformation. So uh, by all means, if you haven't shared this video with other people, check out DirtMerchantsFilms.com. And if you haven't seen my previous 44 podcasts with some of my amazing, courageous friends sharing their powerful stories of overcoming all odds and going on to live powerful lives, you can watch them on my YouTube channel, Live Courageously. And in the future, join me as I bring on about 75 more of my amazing friends. So thank you, everybody. God bless and have a fantastic life. And may you make your life a masterpiece. See you next week.